Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hello and a very warm welcome back to Wellness with Liz Earle and the third part of our five-part menopause special. Now, today I'm joined by Dr. Justine Setchell. She's been a GP for over 20 years and has a particular interest in women's health, including menopause, PMS and nutrition. During her time as a GP, she's trained in occupational medicine and advises companies on the well-being of their workforce. She was the occupational health physician for John Lewis Oxford Street for 10 years and now advises many other companies. And she joins me now in the studio to discuss that vital role the GPs are playing in menopause care, how to navigate a GP that isn't up to date with menopause guidelines and just what can be done to improve GP education in this area. Welcome, Justine. Well, thank you very much for having me. This is such a good time and opportunity to chat because I think so many women get frustrated when they go to their GPs. I think they sometimes are misdiagnosed or symptoms of menopause are overlooked. But I think GPs often don't seem to understand what's going on. Is there a, a reason for that, for their lack of information? Yeah, so um, general practice training, if I explain, first of all, sort of rewind a little bit and mm. explain general practice training. Um, GPs um, generally do a vocational training scheme, um, which can t is partly within general practice, but also partly hospital medicine, right. which could be things like A&E, paediatrics, psychiatry, could be obstetrics and gynaecology, could not be. It's not compulsory for them to do that. So some GPs may not have done um, any gynaecology postgraduate really? training and but so, do, do they learn that when they're at medical school do they cover that at all well they yes you have to do that as part of your um uh, medical school training but you know when we're now talking they're now five years on seven you know seven years on things change right and they may have touched on things as a medical student but uh, then they're not learning it in more depth um mm. in their training and then go into general practice that seems crazy, though, doesn't it? When you think that half their patients are going to be women, at least. Yes, absolutely. And every woman will have a menopause, won't she? So it's yes. going to be something that every GP in the country is going to be confronted by. Yes, absolutely. It's not even a, this may happen. It's a definite. Yeah, no, I completely <laughs> agree. Um, and, but you know, some there's not necessarily, um, again, within gynaecology training, again, people can sort of... Um, 
they, they sort of make their own path so they can apart from general training they can then go become obstetricians mm -hmm. purely obstetricians or pure gynecologists within that they might go into fertility or they might go into urogynecology mm. so again they won't necessarily um be going into menopause uh, in great depth no, so this this was the surprising thing actually that i've learned over the recent months particularly is how many of the consultants that women often get referred on to uh, consultant obstetricians gynecologists don't seem to know the basics about menopause you, you would have thought that that's a fundamental part of you would the sort think of reproductive and, hormonal yeah. cycle. No, you but would, is, you... is is that the case that they don't necessarily have to be trained in that? No, not necessarily. Um, they should have. Obviously, they should have a basic understanding. But the world of menopause and menopause management is moving so quickly to in order to be fully up to date mm. uh, with everything. I guess you know they, you can't be fully up to date in every single thing. Um, so the ideal would be that you would have a menopause, a, a, a gynaecologist with an interest in menopause, at least, within each district general hospital. Um, well, you'd hope, wouldn't you? You would hope. Well, I mean, how many tens of thousands dream, is, is that, is that be... servicing? So I guess the, the response then is if your GP feels unable to help you, well, I mean, we'll talk about how to, to mm. talk to your GP. But if you do end up getting referred to a consultant, you need to ask the question, what special interest or training does that consultant have? Because you can't just assume that your consultant yes. will be up to date in menopause and, care. And hope that there's a pathway that allows your NHS GP to refer you to a specific consultant because some, depending on the area, right. sometimes as an NHS GP, you have to just write to a gynaecologist. You don't you don't make the decision about who, who your patient sees. Right. <clears throat> so they may just end up seeing the person with the shortest waiting list. Who may, who have, may nothing, have, have, have no training Yeah, exactly. Training with all the menopause. goodwill in the world, yeah. uh, they'll, they will know the basics, but they won't necessarily... It might not be their area of interest. Yeah. And to get the best out of menopause management, where, whether it be a GP or it be mm -hmm. a gynaecologist, you, you really need someone who's invested in the subject and really is mm. passionate, about, ideally, is yes. passionate about it um, and really wants to help that person work their way through the menopause maze mm. so if you are somebody who is you've done a bit of research you're fairly sure that you have menopausal symptoms you may be you may have hot flushes but you may not it mm -hmm. may be insomnia it might be low mood it might be achy joints headaches migraines you know all these other things that can present as menopause symptoms how then do we best go into our allotted seven or eight minutes or whatever it is with our NHS GP to make sure that we get the right response that we're looking for? Well, I think the first thing is to um, do a bit of investigating about your practice and try and work out either word of mouth, because a lot of places, uh, we have a local um, Facebook group in our in our village um, and a lot of people do have that where they can talk well, that's a good and, idea. and ask, has anyone been to this surgery? Do you know if there's anyone who has an interest? So word of mouth, mm. trying to find out who's got in, an interest. Because it is a bit of a lottery, isn't it? Some Some women write to me on social media and say... I went to my GP, he or she was absolutely brilliant. Yeah. I came away straight away with my estrogen gel and my micronized progesterone. Others say, I've seen three GPs, they all refuse to treat my symptoms. Yes, it's, exactly. it's, it's a lottery. We don't know, do we, necessarily who we're going to get or what the reaction's going to be. No, exactly. So, so do some groundwork. So do some groundwork mm -hmm. so that at least you, you, you've, you've tackled that part of what you've just said of 
who we're going to get. So at least yep. then you've researched and have a look at their background. Do they have postgraduate qualifications? So have they done? So I've done my DRCOG, my diploma in Obs and Gynae. So as a postgraduate qualification, I have my certificate in menopause care. And that How would on earth all would be... you find that out about your well, GP? They, well, usually on the websites, they do have their qualifications. Do they? That's yes. interesting. I've so, never looked mine up. I should yeah, go and go do and that. Now. I've now landed your GP right in it. <laughs> no, she's great. She's, yeah, I mean, she's right. full on. I get, you know, gel and, and micronized progesterone. That's not no, to no say problem. without those qualifications. You could get someone without those qualifications who is, sure. you know, who has huge interest. Yeah. That's where the word of mouth comes in. Right. Yeah. But if you've got somebody, and also if they're a member of the British Menopause Society, uh, that, that's showing an extra mm. interest interest um and going that extra mile yeah. into, into making sure they're completely up to date so that tackles the what you're going to get and then the tackling of what you're going to say um come that goes that's basically homework <clears throat> preparation 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 there's Absolutely. no two ways about it and luckily there are a huge number of resources out there now mm. for patients to be able to get the information they need before going yeah. into that um, and what, where would you suggest going for that um, well, British Menopause Society, as I've um, yeah. um, recommended, and they have women's health. The patient arm of that is women's health concern. They produce fantastic um, patient leaflets. Mm. I quite often print those off um, and show them to patients and I find them really helpful as a GP. Um, and then hormonehealth.co.uk. Mm -hmm. They also have good uh, data. Menopause matters. Yeah. Um, there are lots of different resources. Mm. And obviously then the nice guidelines that's yes, very powerful. The NICE guidelines them, themselves. Yes. And these are guidelines. So NICE is National Institute for Clinical Excellence. Yes. And it's an NHS body, is it? Yes. So it's and it's um and it was in 2015. Uh they spent two years um putting those guidelines together. Um and they have it's very clear um for doctors, but there's also a patient section that's very readable and understandable, digestible. Um, yeah. So it, it, I often direct patients to that as well uh, if they're going to see their NHS GP because it's difficult for them to argue. If you've got a resistant, shall we say, GP, yes. it, it's more difficult for them to argue against something that's, that's in the NICE that's guidelines. That's in the NICE guidelines. And if you're listening to this and thinking this all sounds great, these resources, we will put everything on the website um, following this podcast so you'll be able to go there and download links to get all of this. Now, you talk about having a resistant GP, and I think one of the things that will unfortunately make GPs potentially even more resistant, if they weren't already, was the recent publication of the study in The Lancet that seemed to indicate an increased risk in breast cancer by taking HRT. What's your view as a medic having looked at that? Um, well, having looked at that, my heart sank slightly because it's yet another retrospective study um, looking at not only old data, but um, proven flawed data um, with old progestogens um, such as... That aren't used anymore? Yes, like, yes, exactly. Uh, like norethisterone um, and um, MPA, ones that we just, I just, we just don't use those anymore. Um, and and looking at oral estrogen, which again we're you know, coming away from moving so to more people, yeah. So transdermal being the patches and the patches gel, patches and the gel, yeah. precisely, and micronized progesterone. So uh, all as is recommended in the nice guidelines, but there's no data 
Um, not not as much data. They didn't look at that data. They were looking at old data. Old data, which we know was was wrong. I mean, we was wrong. We we've talked a lot on this show about that with mm. um, with previous podcasts on the menopause. And it was interesting, wasn't it, that they chose to include and these are epidemiologists, by the way, who are doing mm. this study. They're not not clinicians. They chose to include published and unpublished data. You always have to wonder why something's unpublished. Is it unpublishable? (laughs) (laughs) Unreliable. And yet I gather there was a whole tranche of information published in France Mm -hmm. about the safety of micronized progesterone that wasn't included. Yes, well, they have more data. They've been using micronized progesterone longer. They just have more data than we do in this country. And for some reason, their studies weren't included. I've no idea why. Well, that, that would have made a big difference. It does. It makes it, it makes a big difference. It would have made a big difference to the um, data. Well, it wouldn't have made out. the study quite so sensational, though, would it? No. Because the results wouldn't have been... No, exactly. <laughs> uh, this must be incredibly frustrating for, for you working is, in this but, area. Yeah, but it's interesting. Um, unlike, I think because of the last, um, the, the, the previous flawed studies and the experience patients had um, when that all came out, mm. um, interestingly, most of my patients, they, they've... I have obviously had lots of queries, but they've been queries along the lines of, presumably we don't need to listen to this. Right. Presumably, what you're, yes. I'm happy with what you're, what you're prescribing, what you've told me. Great. Can you reassure me? Yeah. You know, you know, and and they're they're much much more skeptical. Than I they think were. the danger and the the way that I mean, my heart obviously sank when I woke up that morning. Mm. It was my first day back from holiday from the summer, and it was I mean, talk about coming back with a bang. It was literally <laughs> I was on the BBC. I was, you know, fielding my entire weekend was taken up with mm. responding to comments on Instagram from from worried women. And you're right. I think it's not necessarily those who are already benefiting from replacing hormones and seeing just the extraordinary difference it can make to to the way you you feel. Um, but it's the women who have yet to get on that journey and have yet to find that relief who yes. are just saying, absolutely, that's it. I was possibly thinking about it. Mm. Or it's, of course, the GPs we've talked about who don't have any awareness, who probably get mm. most of their medical training on menopause from Daily Mail Online, who, <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> who, are, who are thinking, well, that's it then. I mean, yeah. I, the number of women who've said to me, on social media, I've been to my GP and very reluctantly they've prescribed it for me, saying, well, of course, if you want to give yourself breast cancer. I mean, what kind of response is that? Uh, well, that's, uh, well, a, a very poor one. Um, <laughs> you, you know, you should, you are... Our position, we're in a very powerful position as doctors and, and you, you shouldn't abuse that. I think it's, um, your, your, your role is to provide all the information, positive and negative, and help the patient make that decision. Mm. You're there to guide them and to make sure they're as well informed as they can be. It's yeah. not your role to say yes or no. Um, I mean, rarely. Obviously, there are occasions where you yeah. would say, well, obviously, this is not appropriate, Yeah, obviously. But um, those sort of comments are extremely unhelpful. Um, so supposing you do come across GPs, and I mean, I could give you a list of shocking comments you know there was one lady who wrote to me and she had a whole list of symptoms you know hot flushes anxiety Mm. night sweats I mean really life um, debilitating symptoms and her GP said it was just age and she could go home and have a milky drink Nice hot milky drink would make her feel better. I've got a worse I mean, one than that. Oh, have I you can what? top that. I <laughs> no. can top that. Yes, no, seriously. Go on then. My colleague, um, Dr Fiona Payne, there's two of us in our practice, and mm. she also does menopause management as well. And she was um, at a general GP update um, 
course and they just had a, a menopause module on that which is great they're doing that on the general mm -hmm. courses and um, she was chatting to a young um, male GP in his early 30s about um, menopause and HRT and he said well I said he said it's ridiculous he said, menopause is a lifestyle choice <gasps> genuinely a lifestyle a lifestyle choice, choice. What, she said, so so let me just take you around the corner and remove your testicles yes. and see if you think that's a lifestyle choice yes because that is what's happening isn't it your your ovaries are Precisely. not producing the estrogen exactly. which is why we get early onset menopause yep. or you get it from hysterectomies yep. or early Exactly. You know, women in their, you know, rarely, but it does happen in their 20s, 30s, yes. who get plunged into menopause, surgical Precisely. menopause. Is that a lifestyle choice? Isn't it quite. I was really shocked. But this was recent. This was in the last couple of years. And this was, you know, a young male GP. And that's how he was entering. So early on in his career, that was his belief around menopause. That it was a and lifestyle choice. He's come out choice. of medical school believing yeah. that. Yeah. So if we do get... Hopefully we won't, but if we did get some kind of ridiculous comment like go home and have a milky drink um, or it's just a lifestyle choice or it's just your age, dear, get over it, we presumably then have the right as a patient to see a different GP? We do, exactly. So talk us through the rights as a patient. I think, you well, certainly you would you would definitely then try and find, as we alluding to what we were talking to earlier, mm. um, finding out whether there is somebody within the practice that has an interest. So I would definitely then just change GP. And certainly. how easy would it be for the other GP to contradict, if you like, the advice of the first one? Because presumably it'll be on your notes that you've already seen, Dr. So-and-so. Yes, I mean, it's not, it's not that difficult. We, right. we, have to, we have to deal with that sort of stuff all the time. Mm -hmm. um, and there are, there are ways of, of just uh, approaching that um, uh, tact. Tactfully. Would you just say, I just like another opinion? I just yes, like another just, view yes, on this. Yes, absolutely. If you go in yeah. ranting and raving about the previous doctor, that's possibly not the best approach. No. But if you go and say, I've spoken to Dr. X, I'm not entirely sure I have all the information I would like. Right. Could I possibly explore this in a bit more detail with you? Because I, my friend has told me that you have an interest or they had a good Great. experience. Love that. So Very diplomatic. You, yeah. So you, 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 you're diplomatic. And yeah. then the GP is trained to, to be diplomatic. Mm -hmm. and right. They can ride the storm of, mm. of you seeing you know, them other uh, as compared to they're probably well aware that that partner has no interest in menopause right so yes it might not so be the not, first time they've no, heard exactly. it so they will they, and of course you can occasionally in some practices book a double appointment can you if you think yes. you need a bit more time yeah so often um it depends on the practice mm. so and it depends on the um veracity of the um uh the reception staff oh, is getting yes. past so some yeah. practices will allow that often they will um some practices uh, the double appointments are made by the gp so if it's a new topic um mm -hmm. so so if you've been to see the gp and they say look i think you need to come back and we need because that's what often what we do as gps mm. is the first appointment is sort of an ex exploration of where you're at what you know what we perhaps need to look at and then sending the patient away with resources or signposting them to places they can get resources and then booking the, the, the double appointment, come back next week, have a think, have a read. Yes. You know, if they're not, this is why I'm saying about the preparation, if you can yes. go in the first instance with some of that, then you're one yeah. step ahead. But if not, then a good GP would say, right, we can't go through all of this in however many minutes. Mm -hmm. However, you know, this is clearly something we do need to talk about and you get your information and then we'll come back together 
next week have a double appointment and we can go through it all thoroughly then. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting. It's just made me smile. You saying that GPs will then give you the information to go and have a look at. In my experience, it's women going in with their printouts of the NICE guidelines, Good. printouts with, you know, Dr. Newsom's prescribing guidelines with all these yep. checklists of symptoms and leaving it with the GP <laughs> and saying, <laughs> right, I'm going to go away now for, uh, for, for a week or so. I'll make another appointment when you've read that. I mean, that doesn't actually, you know, say it like that you I mean very often the GP will say oh that's interesting let me take a look I'll do mm. my research good, but that's good but then they go back and then you know literally nine times out of ten the result is actually yes I have looked it up I've yeah. looked at that and you're absolutely right and this is fine and I am prepared to to prescribe this life is full of what-ifs some awesome like what if AI could fold your laundry and some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Even on a budget, quality is non negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems. But getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. What do we do with women who are suffering with anxiety and low mood and, um, you know, symptoms which could be misinterpreted for depression, who so often are being fobbed off, if you like, with an antidepressant prescription? instead of oestrogen? I mean, how common is that still? Um, I, I, I don't have facts as to how common that is. I don't know whether studies have been done. It would be interesting. But anecdotally, I certainly frequently come across patients on all manner of psychotropic medication um, for whom, when you correct their hormones, suddenly, you know, gradually can reduce yes. and stop the medication they've been on. But mm. you, 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 if you see it from the GP's point of view, in a busy GP clinic, they're not presenting with hot flushes and sweats. Yeah. And they are presenting with these sort of symptoms. Um, and you can see why they would go down that line. Yeah. But I think what we're asking, what we're asking of our GP colleagues to do is if you've got a woman 
I mean, obviously, more obviously from 45 onwards. Yes. Presented, just think, could this yes. be menopause? Could it be? It's like we always think, mm. could it be the thyroid when people... Yeah, that's another vague thing. How, how easy is that to mix up? Because a, Very lot, a lot of women are saying that they've been to their GP and they've been given thyroxine. Yeah, it, there's, it's often runs at the same time because high, um, low, thy, low thyroid um, occurs more um, as we get older. Often, and could you take thyroxine and oestrogen at the same time? Oh, yes, yeah. So, so you can replace both. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So if, if you're often on a... both need both need oh, addressing. It's a very common. Um, thing, but one or other isn't isn't necessarily always the complete answer. So you have to look at both. But it's yeah. the same concept. You, you, you're trained to think, well, could it be their thyroid if mm. someone comes in with sort of general tiredness? It could be lots of different things. But you've got to. And so, so with menopause, with anxiety and depression, what we're really saying is, could that be could of an be? age? Mm-hmm. Could it be menopause? And ask a few questions about the regularity of their periods, for instance. Yeah. And how old their mum was when they went through the menopause? Because there's often a re, there's often quite a link between. It's not fixed in stone, but it's quite common. If your mum went mm. through the menopause early, then you might go through the menopause a bit early. Um, and so asking those sort of questions and thinking, well, could it be? Yes, interesting. And when you were saying about coming off, you you've had patients that you've taken off antidepressants you don't just stop do you no, no, no. so you you need that needs to be very carefully managed you're yes, not just and, switching and from one to the other a, you're, oh absolutely you're, you're scaling it yeah, down no no you have to do it with care because often a bit like the, the the thyroid and hrt thing well women can also have mental health issues obviously yes so you might need be both. menopausal you right. might need both you know it's yes. not it, 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 hrt is not a universal panacea yeah um that you have to look holistically at the patient you have to look at the whole person mm. um to to approach the menopause transition Mm. okay so we've talked about how to approach your gp what to go in with how to potentially see a different gp Mm -hmm. what happens if you still get no joy how easy is it to make a complaint do you write to the practice manager which is something that i've always advocated asking for a written review how how would that work well all practices will have a complaints policy a complaints procedure um and so you would highlight that you wanted to complain um to the practice manager That'd and how would you find that out you'd look on their website you just look you? on there they all mm-hmm. have to have they have to publish it so oh, you'd look at their um guidelines and just follow follow what whatever just write the policy to whoever is. it says and, yes, and absolutely and, right but it might be worth one step before that though mm. it might be worth if because say you have a practice which literally really don't have any gps that really want to get involved with your menopause or your menopause management which is wrong yes. because every gp should but anyway yeah. we, let's not go there yeah um but you could um ask for a referral to a gynecologist right so I mean, that would be another an, a step because then mm. you know you may be able to see someone in secondary care, right? But very often there are long waiting lists for these people. Yes, and actually for something so basic and mm. so general that's obviously affecting many many patients, you're not going to be the only. They're not going to be the first menopausal no. woman that's crossed exactly. their threshold. No, threshold. Surely it's worth then flagging to the practice manager that actually, hey, we, you know, we need to have a response to this. Mm. We need to have some training. And can G- GPs be sort of trained? post oh, absolutely. medical That's school they, can, can yeah, they go yeah, off yeah. and do modules That's or whatever the, um, on, on the this certificate in menopause care that the it's run jointly by the british menopause society and the faculty for sexual and reproductive health uh and it it is a uh it, it took me two years to do mine in all um because but it's, that's quite it's a quite, big ask isn't it for a it is a big GP. ask it i mean is, how, ask, is it a part-time thing do you do it in the evenings or what i mean what happens yeah you have to do it you have to do it in your spare time but it's, it, it took me a long time because um of i wanted to go and well you do need to anyway but sit in on clinics mm-hmm. um and you've got to take and it's finding 
um, trainer. That there, there's a lack of um, of, of trainers mm. to do it. So it's waiting to to sit in with a trainer and then finding the sessions to sit in. It's yeah. quite. It is a quite a long winded process, and you have got to have the. We, we obviously got to want to do that. Yes, got to have the drive to do that. But of course, um, looking longer term, if you look in the bigger picture, certainly perhaps for you know younger GPs who are going to be working for the next you know thirty mm. plus years, we know that that women successfully on HRT are have a fifty percent less risk of coronary heart disease. Mm. You're reducing rates of type two diabetes, osteoporosis. Mm. You know there are lots of disease managements. Mm-hmm that are going to save you time in the long run. If you can, can get it right now, you're, they're not going to be clogging up your appointment system in, in 10, 15 yeah. years' time. With it's all more... about long-term investment, isn't it? It's, it's um... Trying to see the bigger picture. Yeah. I, I did read a study, I think it was the British Journal of Family Medicine, found that only 66% of GPs they surveyed felt confident in managing the menopause. Yeah. So... There is, I, I think there's less of an excuse to feel unconfident really mm-hmm. now because there is so much information yeah. available um that, that is it's fairly inexcusable not to it, the information's there if you look for it and yeah. much as you have to stay we have to stay up to date on the management of diabetes mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. asthma you have to stay up to date on the management of menopause yeah um, and i know that there is if anybody listening hasn't yet signed up there is a great petition that diane danzebrink who is an amazing campaigner has on change.org and that is calling for mandatory menopause training now i'm not sure how that would work whether it would mean that all gps unless they've got the certificate they're going to have to pass some sort of basic at least checklist of of knowledge but yes. that would be that would be an amazing step forward wouldn't it yes oh absolutely and, and would again you know potentially save the health service huge amounts in the long run Blood tests, not needed over the age of 35. Is that right? If your GP says, well, we'll test your bloods. Well, it's difficult for me to comment on that because we do, where I work, we do do um, mm. a full range of blood tests. Um, but um, in, in your, with your average menopausal patient who presents with classic hot flushes, sweats, <clears throat> periods all over the place or have stopped, or sometimes yes. it's very clear, there's really absolutely you know fine to to if they want to start hrt they don't need to have a blood test mm. in order to start their hrt yeah. so and 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 most nhs practices would only the only blood test that they would um sort of um allow as such would be fsh which can be helpful and what is that FSH? which is your follicle stimulating hormone it's produced by the pituitary gland and it does what it says on the tin. So it, it stimulates a follicle stimulating hormone. So it stimulates the follicles in the ovary. So as we get older and our ovaries start to fail, they produce less estrogen. And then there's a negative feedback pathway. So basically a message goes back from the ovaries to the brain to go, oh, there's no estrogen being produced. Um, and the brain pumps out follicle stimulating hormone to try and stimulate the ovary to produce more estrogen. And so the circle goes round. And to begin with, it does it quite well. It does it to begin with. It keeps it going for it, but it can only go so far. And eventually the ovaries just run out of estrogen and there you are fully menopausal. So the FSH gradually goes up and up and up. So as your estrogen goes down, your FSH goes so up. So your FSH levels go higher High. because your brain is desperately yes. trying to get your, yes. your follicles trying to, to, to really to produce those ovaries. more. Absolutely, right. really shaking them, going, come on, try and wake up and um, really and at some point they can't they don't produce anymore yeah um and then your fsh fsh is through the roof so that's the hormone they they um measure yes um as a general um rule of thumb 
and, yeah. and that's useful. But frankly, if somebody's got that many symptoms, I, I could tell you off the top of my head yes. what their FSH is going to be. Right. Yeah. So you can see why there's no you know no, no point but yeah. it's not necessarily the ones that i find tricky I, I, we measure more than that uh when we're managing our menopausal patients so we actually look at their estradiol levels um and testosterone levels that's another whole other topic yes we're going, going to be talking we are yes we, we've got dr newson um, talking about that on but so we can five. see that we've got them in a range that is protecting their bones and it isn't too high it isn't too mm-hmm. low mm. so it's really bespoke um yeah but that's within a menopause clinic. So that's, right. that is slightly different yes. to your GP with yep. an average of 9.2 minutes or whatever it is. Right, now. yes, yes. So that the key thing is just to to talk to your GP, to be prepared, to do your homework and, yeah. and be persistent. All those things are far more important than a blood test. Yes. Much more important. So, And of course, the great thing is these hormones are safe. They are body identical. They're mm-hmm. what we have anyway. Yep. Um, and so they're not going to be contraindicated to any other kind of medication, are they? Because they're just things that are in your body. Yes. So rarely. there's nothing. Yes, that, it'd that be very rare. There'd be any. Um, apart from an estrogen blocker, maybe if you're on active breast cancer yes, treatment and exactly. we're talking about that actually in um, in the next episode so let's assume that you've done all of this and you know you've done your due diligence if you like you've worked really hard and you've, you've got your HRT prescription in, in your little hand um, and then we're told there's a shortage so so what's all that about I mean honestly as if it wasn't tough enough you then go know, to the chemist just, and they keep just throwing <laughs> us googlies don't they I know um, they are generally they're temporary right um, and on the whole, uh, there are um, equivalent products out there. So the BMS, British Menopause Society, have published um, an extensive list of uh, substitutes and alternatives okay. um, for GPs. So, right. um, And I've referred to it in the last few weeks. I'm conti- I seem to be continually referring to it really? so, because it, it changes. So just as you think, oh, thank God, that's back in stock. Yes. And just and then, then something else goes out of stock and et cetera, et cetera. So, so why, why is there a shortage in the first place? Well, I'm not, we're not entirely sure. We're hoping, I'm hoping anyway, that partly it's patient demand. Yeah. Um, and I would really love to believe that that, it, that that's a big driver. Um, yeah, the message that there is getting more, out there, yes, and we're just all we're now winning. Wanting. We're finally yep. turning a corner, and yep. um, and and we're winning. So I, I hope that's certainly part of it. And I think maybe the companies have been a bit, um, and also a bit slower to slow to respond, uh, in that HRT prescribing, as we said earlier, is changing from right. oral HRT to transdermal HRT. So those products, um, they've probably got more of the, but not all of them actually. Some of the mm-hmm. oral ones are difficult to get hold of as well at the moment, um, but. They need to sort of keep up. So people are switching more to patches and yes. gels rather than the older fashioned tablets. Yeah. I also read somewhere that one of the patches was recalled because the adhesive wasn't working. There was a manufacturing problem. Yes, you, I think you, you definitely get that sometimes. It, it's not generally the whole thing is recalled. It's often certain batches. batches. Mm. Yeah. And you definitely do sometimes get an odd batch that just doesn't right. stick as well. Really? Yeah. And then, of course, then you prescribe a different one. So then that there's a demand on that one. Yes. Exactly, and, and so goes, we go round in circles. Yes. yes. <laughs> but so but there will the, always be something available. I think that's the take-home point from that. There will always be an alternative. It may not be ideal, and I've got several patients at the moment that we're they're on an, a, an alternative which is okay, but they're not feeling as good or as well overall as they did on the other. So why um, would that be? Is that because the dose is different? No, but, uh, yes, because it, often there's a, there's a slightly different. If if they're on an oral HRT, there's very few. But there are some sometimes patients who cannot take 
have a transdermal. I had a patient who had really horrific um, skin rashes, mm. reacted very badly to anything transdermal. So she, I use oral HRT for yeah. her. But they have slightly, they all have slightly different progestogens in them. Right. And so the one she's used happily for the last three years is uh, is out of stock at the moment. So I've put her on the nearest yes. to it, but it's not quite the same. Yeah. So it's the same dose of estradiol, slightly different progestogen. It's a good one, but yeah. I'm happy, still happy to prescribe it, but it's not hers. So even those subtleties will make a difference. Oh, I think they this can is... do. They absolutely can do. Yeah, that's why ideally... Um, HRT prescribing should be individualised. There is no one size fits all. Mm. It's very, very variable. But and when you, you can't get it really... right? Oh, when you get it right. Well, as you know, you get it right, it's right. <laughs> so as an occupational health physician, what do you think could be done to improve the well-being of menopausal women in the workplace? Um, information, right. really. Um, I've given talks uh, at companies um, on menopause in the workplace, which have been very well received as has Nick Panay. He's talked mm. He's talked to some very large city companies. Um, and uh, the latest one I gave at the Sainsbury Family Charitable Trust, which is a company we look after, um, they sent the email about it out to, to everybody and encouraged men to attend. And two very brave men came and sat at the back of the room. Um, but I think that I, the, the feedback is the women found it helpful, but mm. um, so did the men because yeah. they're, they, the, their wives are going through similar things. So... Um, workplaces being aware um, of women of that age that they might be having difficulties um, and managers particularly I mean at John Lewis I found this all the time a lot of the managers are young men and they're managing menopausal women and that's quite hard yeah Um, it's hard for them as well as for the woman yeah the woman might feel embarrassed about um, her symptoms or having to explain that to a young man in his 30s yes. who also might not have um he might feel awkward as well and find that very he, yeah, he's not sure. going to understand all about it so um they i know that john lewis do and lots of companies now do like i did with the sfct they do uh, they have they have external speakers mm. to come in and, mm-hmm. and talk and they have um resources for their employees um so that they feel supported yeah um and and um and well um uh, informed uh, it, it, it is about information, isn't it? I, yeah. I did a talk recently um, over in the Docklands at HSBC, and that was a well part of a well-being series that yes. we were doing. And I said, well, you know, I'm going to be talking about menopause as, as part of it. Mm. And, you know, will you make sure that people know that so they know what they're going to come into? And I would say a third of those in the room were men. Yes. Which was really encouraging. And I think, and I also had little leaflets that they took away afterwards. And I was expecting to give it away to a lot of the women because it was specifically about HRT and and showing, I got a little e-guide about it. And I said, Mm. look, even if you want more information, you can go and have a look at that. And I would say half the cards were picked up by guys. Yeah. And you know, I, I cornered a couple of them and I said, oh, you know, that's really interesting. You, you know, you've you picked up the um, the information leaflet about HRT. And, you know, uh, several of them said, oh, yes, you know, I want to know more about this because I manage teams of women. Exactly. If some of them were saying, yes, you know, it's for my wife or whatever, mm. and I want to pass this on to her. But it, I think being aware and, you know, as women, we're being expected to work longer our pensionable age is going up, oh, isn't yes, it? Oh, yes, absolutely. You know, so exactly. we have to work well. And these are women who are often, you know, all women, a lot of these women at the top of their game, they're being expected to make enormous decisions, yeah. have an enormous amount of responsibility, um, feeling subpar 
been more than subpar and we've had patients at um, uh, Hormone Health who um, have been on the verge of retiring early or resigning due to their symptoms and you you sort it all out for them and they've got another 10-15 years ahead of them of really productive work And, and if employers want a productive workforce a healthy workforce is a product a healthy happy workforce i should add actually is a is a productive workforce and that includes managing the menopause and helping women through that period of their life i mean one of the really classic not always due to sweat sometimes due to anxiety sometimes just because um uh, is sleep um, yes. disturbance um alcohol and menopause doesn't mix by the mm. way, really badly. So people, so yeah. people, women often find they can't. Then their sleep's really disturbed, but or hot sweats, yeah, or they're just ruminating, waking up in the night and worrying about things. They're yeah. sleeping really badly, and then going into work and being expected to be productive all day, yeah, and to make good decisions, and to make good decisions, yeah. uh, no matter what job they do, you know, wanting to do their job to their best uh, of their ability and not able to. Yes. Um, so and and so knowing that they are supported through that period of time um, mm. makes a big difference. Having uh, having um, a company with a good wellness program who are engaged, um, and if they're going to do wellness uh, about fitness um, and health and nutrition, then they you know, and they particularly if they've got a, a high female workforce, yeah, they should be addressing uh, addressing this as well. Mm. Well, thank you so much for talking us through it. It's been really, really interesting and I'm sure very helpful for many You're women. You're very listening. welcome. Thank you. That is all we have time for today. But do join me tomorrow or the next time you tune in, if you're listening to this in the future, for the fourth part in our menopause special. Well, I will be talking to the broadcaster, Kirsty Lang, about her breast cancer treatment and going back onto HRT. It's a really fascinating episode coming up. And as always, you will find details of the resources and links that we've mentioned here today over on lizardwellbeing.com, where you can sign up to the free newsletter. We've got recipes, wellbeing wisdom, special offers. And if you've enjoyed today's episode, do please leave a review on iTunes or whichever provider you use, because it really does help other potential listeners to find us. And more importantly, the help that they may well need. So until the next time we chat, go well. Bye-bye. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 